I am just coming back from a beautiful trip. I went out to the East Coast. I have never been further than Kingston in Ontario, so it was very awesome for me to spend some time out in New Brunswick and PEI. I think I've got some pictures there. So something you might not know about me, I'm just a little bit of an Anne of Green Gables fan. Just a little bit. I have read all the books. I watch the movies, the series, at least once a year. I know Pastor Aaron is dying up here. Yeah, that's right. I paid the $4 to put the costume on and get my picture taken. I paid money to do this. Yes. Yes, I did. And you know what? I loved every single minute of it. <laughs> There's actually like one picture where we're like, like off daydreaming, but I thought this was a little bit more appropriate. So we put the braids on. Um, I got to go to one of the museums and see Green Gables. Again, these are some of the things that I've always wanted to do. Um, I actually just watched the movies probably about three weeks ago so that I was prepared for my visit to PEI. I got to see the Red Cliffs, all those things. I actually got to drive the bridge. How, like, my mind was blown. Like, you're literally driving over the ocean. I was like, how did they do this? Anyways, and then the last, one of the, the last places I went to was Hopewell Rocks to see the Flower Bucket Rocks. I was in awe for the entire, like, three hours that we walked around there. I'm just like, so you can kind of see, like, where we are would normally, like, be filled with water. Almost to kind of, you can see where it does that little concave. If the water fills up to there. So I didn't get to see it full because it's high tide and low tide is too, too far apart. But, like, to be able to walk that whole coastline and see all of the different rock formations and climb some slippery rocks and feel a little bit adventurous. Not quite as adventurous as Pastor Ethan is when I see some of the, the pictures and things that he's been up to this summer. But for me, this was adventurous. I was like, I, I would have taken it one step further if I would have had one more day. I would have actually kayaked through here. Like you can like kayak when it's high tide and like go through the rocks. So it was very cool. Um, it was, for me, the biggest thing of this was just, it was a reminder to me of how amazing God's creation is and how he forms these things to make these beautiful, like what you would never think a rock would be something that, oh, I want to go and see these rocks because it's a rock. But to go and see and to see and he read, read how the rocks were formed was fascinating. And these were all bucket list items for me. So I had a great trip. I was refreshed. And that's what I love about the summer. I love traveling, hanging out at camp, if you guys know me at all. Brayside is probably one of my second favorite places to hang out for the summer. I love doing camps, participating in camps. I love adventures. I love spending time with friends new and old. The person that I was visiting in New Brunswick, I had never met in person until she picked me up from the airport. So we connected a lot through, uh, through different training and different meetings and stuff. And she, in careful what you say to me, she invited me to come out. And I was like, absolutely, when are you free? <laughs> so I know like sometimes you think that people are like, like, they'll invite you or they'll ask you to come out because it's just a kindness and you're like, you never expect them to actually say, sure, when can I come? Don't say that to me if you really don't want me. Because I will say, sure, I've done it a couple times. I've gone to L.A. on a whim. I've gone to, like, and to visit some people that I don't really know that well. But I love to travel and I love to experience new things. So that is what I, a little bit of what I have been up to this summer and really enjoyed my time away. And I also was restful. I know some people think, Margaret. You travel, and you never take time to rest. We did have lots of restful time. I spent lots of time at the beach, just relaxing, reading books. It was a lovely, lovely trip. If you've never been to the East Coast, I'm telling you, you should go. I'm already like, when can I, when can I go back and visit again? That's where I am, because I'd love to see some more. So enough about the summer. I love summer, and I can talk about summer and camp and all the things that I love to do. But today we're going to start our new series, and we're going to be jumping into our series on kings and kingdoms. So over the next four weeks, we're going to be learning about some of the kings that Israel had, that Israel's had that have followed the great reign of King David. So if you've ever read through First and Second Kings, which we actually just did if you're doing the study with us, and now we're doing Chronicles, so it's actually been kind of neat 
to read through the books and out here through the Chronicles and then jump into this series. Uh, you'll know that there was a lot of kings that ascended to the throne. Most of them were terrible. They did a lot of terrible things. They went against God. And there was just a small handful of kings that were actually good. But this morning, we're going to kick things off with somebody who tried to make his, himself king, Adonijah. And I say try because he was not ac actually successful. He didn't quite get there, but we're going to get to that. So when we start off in the book of Kings, um, King David at this point is not the young, fearless warrior and king. We're going to read from Kings one, uh, 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 1 to 4 to find out what, where David is at this point. So when King David was very old, he could not keep warm, even when they put covers over him. So his attendants said to him, let us look for a young virgin to serve the king and to take care of him. She can lie beside him so that our Lord the king may keep warm. Then they searched throughout Israel for a beautiful young woman and found Abishag, a Shumanite, and brought her to the king. The woman was very beautiful. She took care of the king and waited on him, but the king had no sexual relations with her. So we're going to pause on that last half. We're going to come back to that. I know it's kind of like an awkward scripture, but we are going to come back to that part of the scripture. I promise. Don't worry. So you can see that not only is King David old, but it's obvious that he is about to die and he's at the end of his life. And the entire country knows that Israel is about to receive a new king. Now, the decision of who the next king would be should have been pretty simple and easy, and it was well known and assumed by many that Solomon was going to be the king after David, but the problem was that David never actually made it official. We're not sure what he was waiting for. Well, the Bible doesn't tell us why he waited, but he did, and it was because David waited and didn't name his, his uh, successor that there was some confusion that will set in. And this was the perfect time for what many of the commentaries called an usurper to try and take over the throne. Okay, I'm not going to lie, I had to look up that word. I've heard it, but I was like, I don't even know what that means. So I looked it up, and if you don't know what that means, I went to good old Merriam-Webster, it's like literally bookmarked on my computer, and they say, it is somebody who seizes and holds office, power or position, by force or without right. So this assumed usurper, usurper I don't know why I want to say er, usurper is Adonijah. So Adonijah was the fourth oldest son of King David, and at this point, most likely the oldest of the brothers that were still living at the time. There isn't, it's not really 100% clear, but they figure that he was probably the oldest at the time. So as the oldest surviving son, he would have been the natural heir to the throne. So for him to take the throne would have been very typical in the culture, just as it is still today. The oldest would ascend to the throne. Um, and because of this, the nation of Israel, to the, to the nation of Israel, he was not seen as somebody trying to steal the throne. He was not seen as somebody trying to be sneaky and come in there. They would know what the tradition was and what every other kingdom, how every other kingdom would work like that. But as we know, God has other plans. His plan was to put Solomon on the throne. So we don't, it doesn't, it's not clear to us if Adonijah knew the plans to make Solomon king over him, but we know that he saw his chance to make his move and he took it. And he moves fast. In 1 Kings 1 to 5, it says, Now Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, put himself forward and said, I will be king. Oh, I was like, did I say something funny? What did I do? Like, ooh, did I miss something? <laughs> uh, so he got chariots and horses ready with 50 men to run ahead of him. So this practice of riding in the chariot and having men run ahead of the chariot was a very common practice for those in positions of high political power. It was a way for them to show their authority. And this was Adonijah's first move to make himself king. So now he was not alone in his plot to be the king. He had help and he had support of two very influential members of David's court. 
uh, Abithah the priest and Joab the commander of the troops. So having these two influential men on his side helped him to convince others to join his, his reign and to support him as the new king. So we're going to jump to verses 9 and 10 and we'll kind of t- read about the next step in his plot to become king. So Adonijah then sacrificed sheep, cattle, and fattened calves at the stone of Zohalveth near Enrogal. He invited all his brothers, the king's sons, the royal officials, and of, or sorry, all the royal officials of Judah. But he did not invite Nathan, the prophet, or Benaiah, or the special guard, or his brother Solomon. So essentially, this little get-together that Adonijah planned to make the sacrifice could have been seen and considered his actual coronation. So the offerings that Adonijah and the priests were making were being made as a petition for God to bless Adonijah's kingship, as well as to form an alliance between him and those that were in attendance. But as we can see, there's a few important people that are missing from the festival. Nathan, Benaiah, the special guard, and his brother Solomon. So this is kind of part two in his plot to take over the throne. Now, when Nathan, the prophet, heard what Adonijah was up to, he warned and counseled Solomon's mother, Bathsheba. And Bathsheba then went to David and pleaded with him, and she said, My lord, you yourself swore to me, your servant, by the Lord your God. Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne. But now Adonijah has become king, and you, my lord, the king, do not know about it. He has sacrificed great numbers of cattle, fattened calves, and sheep, and has invited the king's sons, Abathar the priest and Joab the commander of the army, but he has not invited Solomon, your servant. My lord the king, the eyes of Israel are on you to learn from you who will sit on your throne, on the throne of my lord the king after him. Otherwise, as soon as my lord the king is laid to rest with his ancestors, I and my son Solomon will be treated as criminals. So Bathsheba's a little nervous. She's a little bit nervous that if Adonijah actually does become the king, he is just going to completely get rid of herself and Solomon. Now, the, Nathan, also, the priest, also comes to King David, and he tells him what's happening as well. And he basically says, uh, David, like, or King David, I, I don't want to bug you because I know that you're not well and whatnot, but did you make Adonijah king and not tell any of us? Like, did we miss something very important here? But David called Bathsheba back, and he, he took the following oath from 1 Kings uh, chapter 129 to her. And he says, as surely as the Lord lives, who has delivered me out of every trouble, I will surely carry out this very day what I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel. Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he will sit on the throne in my place. So finally, King David spoke up, and word went out to the city of Jerusalem, and a procession was held, and Solomon was anointed the king by Zadok the priest. The noise of the people celebrating in Jerusalem was so loud it actually shook the ground. So when word then reached Adonijah that his father David had made Solomon the king, he was just finishing his big celebration declaring himself as king. And he was terrified. Can you only imagine, like, you just had this big celebration, you had this feast, you did all these things, and now you actually hear, oh, my dad actually made the decision? Oh, now I'm in trouble. So he was afraid. His guests fled in a panic. There's, like, all these people together. It was probably, like... I actually pictured when I was reading this, I pictured the end of like a baseball game when everybody's like trying to get out of the Rogers Center and there's like people scattering all over the place. But the people were in a panic and Adonijah was so fearful that he went into the tent of meeting and he grabbed onto the horns of the altar to plead for his life. So the horns of the altar were considered a place of sanctuary and could be used to take oaths of innocence in the face of possible punishment. So Adonijah did just that. He ran and basically begged Solomon for his life. 
So Solomon, at this point, takes pity on Adonijah and responds to him, begging for his life by saying this to him. In 1 Kings uh, chapter 1, 52 to, 52 to 53, if he shows himself worthy, not a hair on his head will fall to the ground. But if evil is found in him, he will die. Then King Solomon sent men, and they brought him down from the altar. And Adonijah came and bowed down to King Solomon. And Solomon said, go to your home. So things are looking a little bit better for Adonijah. He may not be the king of Israel, but at least he still had his life. However, unfortunately for him, that is not the end of the story. We're going to jump ahead a little bit to 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 13 to 21, and we're going to see that Adonijah made a very foolish request. He asked the kings, and this is where we're going to jump back to that, this portion of scripture that I read earlier where it was like an, a little bit awkward. We're going to come back to this now. Um, he made a request, and he asked the king's permission to marry Abishag, who, was, who had been King's David, King David's caregiver during his last days on earth. Adonijah approached the new king's mother with his request, thinking that Solomon would never deny his mother a, a request. So one might think, okay, that's not such a big deal. I mean, she was just the, like, kind of like a nurse, a caregiver to him. But in the eyes of Israel, she had actually become part of David's, of David's harem. So she never actually had relations with him, but her presence in the, har in the harem actually entitled her to part of David's inheritance. So she would have been considered like one of the wives and treated like one of David's wives in the situation when David passed away. So in the eyes of the people, she had essentially been David's concubines. And in many of the commentaries, it mentions that taking possession of a, the harem of a deceased, deceased king was equivalent to establishing uh, to an establishment of the claim to the throne. So not only was he like earlier trying to steal the throne, now you have Adonijah trying to like say, hey, give me this woman as my wife. And he's, gonna, he's a little sneaky in this one. So when, Bethib, when Bathsheba told Solomon of the request, he saw it as a political power play to unseat him from the throne of Israel. And this is uh, Solomon's response to what uh, Adonijah tried to do. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord, my God, deal with me, be it ever so severely, if Adonijah does not pay with his life for this request. And now, as surely as the Lord lives, he who has established me securely on the throne of my father David and has found a founded a dynasty for me as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death today. So King Solomon gave orders to Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, and he struck down Adonijah and he died. So Adonijah had the chance to live his life. All he had to do was keep his head down and stay out of trouble. Should be pretty easy. But the draw to be king and to have, the power, have power was too much for him to resist. And Adonijah wanted something so bad that he took things into his own hands and it cost him his life. How often do we try to make things happen on our own time instead of trusting God's plan? Uh, I remember the first time uh, that I attempted to go to Bible college. A lot of people don't know that I have actually went to Bible college before I actually graduated from Emmanuel. Um, I was in my early 20s. I had just come back from like a two-month missions trip to Ukraine. I was like feeling pumped for ministry, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do something. I had felt God starting to call me to something new. I was working at McDonald's at the time. Um, I was working very closely with our children's pastor here at the church, and I loved working with the kids, and I didn't realize that like being a children's pastor at the time, like that was a job. So this was all very new to me, and I was like, oh, this is something. I like this. Okay. So I loved working with the kids and thought maybe this is something that I could do. So I decided, keep that in mind, I decided when I came back from Ukraine, I'm going to start taking some classes at one of our local Bible colleges because maybe someday I could be a children's pastor or do something in a church where I actually 
got paid to do something I loved. It's still very odd to me that I get paid to do what I love, but that's okay. It's a blessing. I'm going to take it. <laughs> um, but instead of taking the time to pray about it and seek wise counsel, I jumped right in, registered for Bible college, and I'm going to tell you it was a flat-out disaster. Um, it was probably the worst three months of my life. I failed out of all of my courses, all of them, and I basically had an emotional breakdown. I would actually, like, there were some days that I remember walking onto campus and, like, having, like, panic attacks. Like, my heart was, like, racing, and I'm, like, sitting in the classroom, and I was, like, I'd have to leave and come back. It was a terrible, terrible experience for me, which is why I don't talk about it often. Um, it's not a time in my life that I like to talk about because it was hard to see what I thought was my dream falling apart. Now, obviously, I didn't have the wrong idea. God was calling me into ministry, and eventually I did go to Bible college, and I graduated without having an emotional breakdown, I think. I don't know. Did I? Did I, I made it through. I, 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 mean, I mean, I went to Bible college and worked full-time, so I had a busy schedule, and there's always challenges, but I got through it, and I finished very well. All my marks, I, like, it was a high. I did very well and was very successful. But the difference for me the second time around was that it was in God's timing, and it was God's plan. On the first try, it was my plan and my dream, and the second time around, it was God's plan, and God fulfilled the dream. So what a difference that made for that experience. Also, 10 years, being 10 years older was probably also. I was much wiser, learned a lot more, spent time under really good leadership here at Freedom, so that also was very helpful. So we've heard Adonijah's story, so what can we learn from him so that we also don't make the same mistakes? So the first one is we can't live by assumptions. Don't live by assumptions. Adonijah assumed that he was going to be the next king without consulting his father, King David, who was still ruling, though he was on his deathbed. But more importantly, he didn't consult with God, who was the, has the ultimate plan. And the, the, the thing that struck me was that seeking God was something that was constantly modeled by David. David did this all the time, and everything that he did he sought, God, he sought God, and he asked God, and what the plan was. So Adonijah would have seen his father doing that, but he still chose to ignore it and to do his own thing. We want to be careful if we make assumptions, or sorry, if we're not careful, making assumptions can bring us great disappointment and humiliation. The second thing is we can't exalt ourselves in pride. We need to let the Lord's will be done. Uh, Proverbs 16, 18 tells us, Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Adonijah's assumption led him to the pride that he would be the next king. He began to announce it and celebrate it as an accomplished fact. In the end, he fell, and it didn't have to be this way. Um, if you want to learn more about pride, um, Pastor Tracy's message um, from the end of Trouble from our Ancient Wisdom series is a really great— I actually like just listened to it before I went for vacation. It's a re it gives a really good— broad idea of pride and how it can actually like affect our lives and our spiritual walk and stuff like that. So if you want to learn more about that, I highly recommend you go back and listen to Pastor Tracy's message on pride. And the third one, okay kids, I'm going to give you a precursor. I'm going to say the kid version of the S word. Okay? Okay? You all know the kids are all like, look, I can see the kids' faces. I see the three girls right here. They're like, <gasps> yes. The last one is don't be stupid. I know, I said it. I said it from the pulpit. I said it from the pulpit. Uh, and I'm getting to why. You'll see here in a second. So Adonijah had been warned not to cause trouble by Solomon. Literally, Solomon said to him, okay, I'm going to release you. Just don't cause any trouble, and then everything is going to be fine for you. He should have known that the request to marry Abishag would be seen as a move to unseat Solomon from the throne. And this is the request that got him killed. Uh, Proverbs 1, 32 to 33 says, in the Good News translation, it says it so well. 
inexperienced people die because they reject wisdom. Stupid people are destroyed by their own lack of concern. But whoever listens to me will have security. He will be safe with no reason to be afraid. So it's in that context, okay? It doesn't mean, kids, you can run around saying the word stupid if your parents don't like that word. Um, so we need to learn to live wisely in this world, submitting, first of all, to God, our Heavenly Father, in all things. We need to learn and live by the wisdom that God has given us in Jesus Christ our Lord and revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. We have such a great advantage in living, this, living in this world when we fully surrender to Jesus Christ, for he has promised us in John 16, chapter 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So let's not be like Adonijah and assume things and take them into our own hands. Let's turn to God and seek his wisdom and his guidance in all things. So we're going to, I know Pastor Ethan's going to come and we're going to prepare for communion. But what I want you to take some time to just think about this, even not today or later on this week, is what is it today that we need to trust God with? What is it that you need to release to God? I know it actually sort of like that whole, everything kind of sort of just fit together as I'm sitting there and I was like, wow, okay, this is like, everything fits. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit works, really it is. Uh, so what is it that God is asking you to trust, with, trust him with? What plans do you have for your life that you need to release to God or seek God's wisdom for? Personally, from learning, personally from experience, I've made some pretty big decisions in the last year and I have taken my time. I know a lot of people think, they can't believe that I'm taking my time to go to the missions field, that it took me, I'm not sure, it was like probably like a three-year process of like conversation and praying. But I want to be sure, and I want to take the time, and I want to seek God in everything that I do. I don't want to jump into something. I don't want to be Adonijah and just assume, hey, I'm going to try this and see what happens. Because I don't think I would die, but like, <laughs> I don't want to get to the missions field or get to the next step in life and not have things work out because I didn't take the time ahead of time to seek God and to seek uh, wise counsel and to trust what his plans are. So take some time this week and ask the Lord or release the things that God is asking you to release to him.